Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence, that we can come into this house, that we can come into this place and meet with you right here where we are. No matter what's happened last week, no matter what's going on in our lives, Father, we're just meeting with you, and you are coming for your bride. You're coming for your church, but you're here now, God. You're here with us now. And Father, we just commit our lives to you. We submit this service to you. And we not only give you permission, but Lord God, we ask that you rain down upon this place this morning. Touch our hearts, God. Pour into us. Fill us to overflowing with your great love in the presence of your Holy Spirit. That we may walk away changed this morning. Not because we've come to another service, but because we've encountered you, Lord. And you've done something in our lives. You've done something in our hearts. So, Father, we pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. And again, that we would walk away changed because we've encountered you in a greater measure. So we pray with expectation, and uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the rain. And we pray that your Holy Spirit rain down in this room, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. I'd like to release the warrior youth at this time. I want to thank all of you for braving the, the rain and uh, coming out this morning. Uh, we're continuing in this series, Alone with God. And the sermon's topic is um, benefits of getting alone with God. And last week when I started working on this, this service, on the sermon, I, I kind of expected things to go a different direction. But you know, the Lord is so good. He gives us what we need, when we need it, and he doesn't always take us down the path we're expecting him to take us down. But it's always good. So um, this series has been concentrated on deliberately spending time alone with God. And you know what I found, honestly? I have found that it has been more difficult than normal. I mean, I've had so many things going on. So even though I'm, I'm preaching the sermon, it, that's usually how it works, right? You know, the thing that you're teaching on or the thing that you're, you're really trying to accomplish, sometimes the enemy will come against you and just put all kinds of roadblocks. And there's been a lot of good things that have been happening, but it's been really hard for me to find that quiet time alone with God. So, uh, but this series has really been about more deliberately spending time with him. Now, if someone comes to you and, and they say, uh, you're going to receive some benefits, what's the first question that you begin to formulate in your mind? You're, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, ooh, ooh, wow, this is, this is going to be good, you know? What is this, this going to be coming to me? I'm, I'm getting something in addition to what I plan to get is normally what I would think. And if someone says, hey, I'd like to meet with you. Now, somebody that you don't know, they come up and they say, hey, I'd really like to meet with you. Do you think you'd have time to meet with me? I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of going, well, uh, you know, I'm not sure. But if they said this, if they said, you know, if we could sit down and talk, I think it would really benefit you. Your, your mindset might change. Well, you know, I, I think I do have a little bit of time here, <laughs> right? And uh, think about when you're offered a job and they say, well, now, you're, you've applied for this job, and we want to offer you this job, and, and here's your salary. But also, we're giving you benefits. You're thinking, oh, wow, I'm getting the job and benefits. 
And so they may go on to uh, describe some of those benefits. Now, we're going to provide medical for you, medical insurance for you. And uh, for a small fee, you can prov uh, pay, uh, pay for insurance for your family and things like that. And uh, we're going to, we have a 401k plan. And if you put in up to 5%, we'll match that. And they begin to tell you about some of the benefits. Let me stop here for a moment. If your company is offering you a dollar for dollar match for a four, five, uh, 401k plan, you need to do that. That is free money. And I've talked to people, a lot of Christians, and they're like, well, you know, they're, they're offering me this, but, you know, I just don't have the money. I'm like, you need to find the money. That's free money. So let me just put a plug in here. You need to be providing and uh, for your family, but you need to be looking for the future. So I'm a very strong proponent of free money. So if, you're, you're, <laughs> if your company is giving you free money, take it. Be wise. That's not what I wanted to say, but let me, let me, <laughs> okay, let me say, don't be stupid, okay? It's free money. Take it, all right? But they may begin to talk about some of the benefits. Some companies, I don't think they do this anymore, will offer pension plans. Do companies even do that anymore? <laughs> but any of those things, you know, this, they may be offering you some benefits in addition to the job and the salary that you're going to be getting. And God's benefit package is much greater than any company's benefits. So getting alone with God provides great benefits for us. Um... You know, your company may be able to offer you medical benefits. But what if you looked at it from this perspective? God can give you healing. You know, medical benefits or healing? Well, I think I'll take the healing benefit. Um, not just a consistent salary from the company and occasional bonuses, but God's ability to provide and his promise to provide for us forever. You know, to meet all of our needs, not just get a bonus once a quarter, but, but get the bonuses of God every day, walking in his blessings. And not only financial, but how can you put a dollar amount on peace? Can your, can your corporation or your, your company you work for really give you peace? Only God can give us peace. Give us strength, encouragement, forgiveness for every sin. I mean, come on. I don't know about you, but that, that's a great benefit for me, <laughs> knowing where I've come from, eternal life in heaven, and much more. Time alone produces awesome benefits in our lives. This morning, we'll be going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, and Luke chapter 18, verses 28 through 30. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. When I think back about the Lord speaking to me, and really in general to us, when the Lord speaks to us, it, could, it should cause something to happen in our life. For instance, when the Lord called us to start Life Fellowship Ministries International, I believed him, and so we began to step out. We went and, and did all the paperwork for the 501c3. We began to pray and seek God about direction. Why are you calling us to start a church, Lord? Probably 50 churches in a five-mile radius, and so God began to speak to us and give us direction and vision, our mission statement, which is a life fellowship. It is to what? Develop, maintain, and model 
personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so God began to proclaim those things. And I, and I know this is a very bold statement, but I remember being at a conference a few years ago, sitting up in the balcony at Gateway during one of their services, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to grow to thousands. I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about that. And so we're thinking, all right, that, that is something the Lord has told us. We're going to position ourselves for that because I believe him. So when God speaks to us, when God gives us a promise or when God gives us a word, it will cause us to shift our focus and be thinking about not that we make it happen, but position ourselves to receive. If somebody said, hey, listen, here's a check for a million dollars, you'd probably take it to the bank. Even if you thought it wasn't, it may not be any good, you'd still take some action, right? And say, hey, maybe this thing is good. I would. It's worth a shot. And so when God begins to speak to us, we need to begin to step out in faith. Again, we're not making it happen, but if, if the Lord is saying, go over here and do something, uh, I, I want to use your life to, to do something, and you never go, he's not going to use you. He may find somebody else, or he may find another way to do what he wants to do. But my point is that when God begins to speak to us, we need to believe it. We need to receive it. And then we need to act in faith. James says, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Faith without works is dead. And again, we're saved by grace through faith, not of our works, all right? So we don't earn our way into heaven. But I'm talking about is we have that relationship with the Lord and he begins to, to speak to us. It should cause us to respond. So he's saying here in 2 Corinthians, Paul saying, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of what? Faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. So when we believe in God, we will speak forth the things of God. Preaching is proclaiming and sharing the, the heart of God and the things of God. And it doesn't have to be quoting scripture and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to get on some kind of weird voice and start talking differently than you normally talk. It's just simply proclaiming the hope and the love of Christ. And I've, I've been in work situations where people have, have tried to minister to somebody and they're quoting scripture to an unsaved person and that really doesn't do anything for them. They don't know anything about that. And so as we begin to just share the love of Christ and we begin to speak the things of God and begin to share the love of Christ with people, I'm sorry, I'm, my, my wire for my headset has come off. Um, okay. I'm not distracted now. So as we begin to speak forth the things of God and proclaim the things of God, let the oracles, the, the, the Bible talks about the oracles of God coming forth from our tongues. That we're proclaiming the things of God. And so as we speak encouragement to those that need encouragement, do you know people around you that need some encouragement? Do you need some encouragement? Well, you know what? You can encourage yourself in the Lord. Say, God, I'm encouraged. Father, your word says that I'm blessed and highly favored. Your word says that you love me. And I'm not feeling like you love me right now, but feelings can lie to us, and I believe your word. And your word says that you love me. So I'm going to take that, and I'm going to speak those things over my life. So preaching is proclaiming and sharing God's heart. I continue to preach. I continue to share because I've seen the transformation that God has done in my life and in my heart. I've seen the transformation that God has done in my wife. And is still doing in my life, in her life. I preach because I've seen God do wonderful 
transformations in the lives of the people that are part of this church. I've seen some of you come to the Lord and didn't know the Lord, or I've, I've seen some of you rededicate your life to the Lord. I've, I've seen families come through that, that were struggling in their marriage, and their marriages are stronger. I've seen our children back there grow in the things of God, understanding that God really loves them, and beginning to grow in their relationship with him, and begin to speak to their, their friends, their peers, and tell them about the Lord and grow. I continue to preach because I see God touching the lives of individuals and families that walk through these doors. We've had people come through, first-time visitors, and get saved and, and never see them again. And, you know, I'd like to see them again. But hopefully they found a church home or they found someplace where they've gotten plugged in. But you know what? You were a part of that. We were a part of that. Certainly the Holy Spirit was drawing them. But because of, of people like Cliff and the, and the greeting team out there waving, this one lady drove by. She had her dog in her, in her car. And it was a, I think it was a convertible. And she took the dog home and came back to church and got saved that day. She hadn't been back since, but hey, she got saved. So hopefully she's on the journey uh, in her relationship with the Lord. And hopefully she's found a church home and plugged in. But you know what? That's where it begins. And it's because of the love in this, this building. It's because of the love that flows in this house and from you that people's lives are changed. And then they walk in and the presence of God is strong. And the Holy Spirit begins to tug on their heart and draw them back to him or draw them to him. That's what it's all about. And so that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we share the, the good news of Christ. And my first point this morning is one of the benefits of getting alone with God and developing an intimate relationship with him is people get saved. And when I started working on this sermon, I was thinking about going a different direction. I was thinking about, well, what are the benefits we get? And the Lord said, you know, one of the benefits is people get saved. And I'm not going to get to my second point yet. So let me, let me stay here for a moment. Let's, let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13 again. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Verse 14. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you, and we sang about it this morning, that Jesus is coming back for his bride, and he's going to present him, he's going to present us, what does it say here, to himself, he's going to present us to God, and, and we've been talking a little bit, sort of a side note through this, this whole series about how Jesus is God, Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, they're all one, so this is just an, another place where I think where it confirms that, we know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Verse 15, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Let's say that in your quiet time, the Lord begins to speak to you and he prompts you to invite three people to life fellowship every week. The Lord says, listen, there are people that you work with, people in your neighborhood, and I, wanna, I want you to begin to invite three people 
to church every week. Just think, I mean, one thing, one benefit of that would be if three people came every Sunday and decided this would be our church home, we would triple in size just like that. We'd have greater resources. We, uh, we have our children's ministries broken into five different classrooms right now. We need to break those out into a couple more. We'd have more teachers available. We'd have greater resources to buy a building that we want to do. We'd have uh, greater influence in the community because we'd have more people going out, sharing the love of Christ. So say that the Lord prompts you to invite three people. And every week, you invite those three people. And every week, every one of those people gets saved, or they give their life to the Lord. You begin to see marriages healed. You begin to see individuals' lives changed and touched. And you, you witness a total transformation in those individuals and in their family. You see God do miracles. That would be an encouragement and a benefit, I would say. We're building the kingdom of God. And God is using us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a joy for me to see you growing and, and see myself growing, but, but seeing people's lives changed. I mean, the word says it's better to give than receive. And when God gives life to others through us, that should be exciting to us. When we see people, maybe family members or, or old friends or, or uh, you know, maybe even people in our immediate family get saved and God begin to do something in, in their life. That's a benefit for us, especially if we live with them, right? <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. God wants to do amazing things through our lives. He really, really does. So it's a benefit for us. Okay, so now you've been inviting these three people to church, different people every, every Sunday, and they're getting saved, and, and uh, 100 years from now, you die and you go to heaven, and you have hundreds of people come up and say to you, man, you know what? I'm, I'm here in heaven because you obeyed God, because you invited me to church. Would that be a benefit? I think that would be awesome. And then Jesus comes up and he's like, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. I want to reward you for, for all that you've done. Look at all these people here because you invited them to church, because you prayed for them, because you lived a life that exampled a, a connection and an intimate relationship with me. A lot of these people are here. But who should really receive the reward? Well, you know, I was just there in my quiet time and I was praying and these three people came to mind and I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to invite them here. And then they came and the Holy Spirit touched them in the service and they got saved well, really, it was you, Lord. It was you. But who's going to receive the benefits? Who's going to receive the words in heaven? We will. And really, it's all prompted by God. If we will just simply obey what he's asked us to do, the benefits, I think, are beyond what we're even thinking about, that there are eternal rewards. The Lord sets us up for blessings. The Lord is setting you up for his blessings because it's his heart to bless and to give that we would be blessed. So my first point this morning is one of the benefits of having a personal relationship with God and getting alone with God is people get saved. My second point is a relationship with us is God's greatest desire. 
I really thought about this this morning, uh, this this past week, and I said, I don't, God, if if I could pick one thing that's your greatest desire, and I even asked Christine, I said, what do you think God's greatest desire is? But I couldn't think of nothing greater than his desire that we would be in relationship with him. I, I don't know. If you think of something else that's greater, let me know. Send me an email or something. But I couldn't think of anything that would be greater uh, that that would be greater for God than for his children to come into a personal, intimate relationship with him. Let's go to John 3, 16 and 17. You've probably heard the scripture a couple of times. You've probably seen it at the football games. John 3, 16. What does that do? For people that, don't, that aren't saved, I mean, do they really know what that means? I don't know. Maybe they'll pick up a Bible and go look, but it'd probably be better if they'd be living it with the people on their row and not pouring, spilling beer on them and stuff. Okay. All right, so John 3.16 says, For God loved the world so much that he gave what? His who? His one and only son so that everyone, turn to your neighbor and say, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's God's desire that everyone be saved. Let's look at verse 17. And I love verse 17 too. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God came to, Jesus came to save the world, not judge the world. He came to save us. And we know that uh, one, of my, one, of my, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Ephesians 2, 8. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast. It's not by our works, it's only by God's grace. But he also says in Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's masterpiece. We are valuable to God. God loves us. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. And then reciprocate. Tell them again. You're God's masterpiece. All right, so this is what Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are God's masterpiece. It continues on. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God has great plans for us, and he planned them long ago. And it's through Jesus that we're saved and that we are made new. We're a new creation when we give our life to the Lord and he begins to wash all that stuff off of us. Our sins are forgiven. It's a new day. It's a fresh start. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's go to another favorite scripture. This, I know this is one of Jason's favorite. James 1.18. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. He gave birth to us by giving us his true word. Who is the true word? Jesus. You know, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and everything was created by him, for him, and through him, and the word became flesh. So Jesus is the word. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, out of all creation, think about everything that God created. Has he created some beautiful things? The sunset, the mountains, the animals, all of those things. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Come on, do you, do you understand that? Do you know that you are God's prized possession? Look at your neighbor and tell them, you're God's prized possession. And if you look around this room, 
you will see that we all look different. You see different skin colors, different color of hair, different color of eyes. Some are tall, some are short. All are skinny, right? <laughs> so no, but if you look around the room, you see just such the diversity and realizing that that person next to you is God's prized possession. You're God's prized possession. And there are people that are sitting in churches today that don't believe that. They don't understand that. They're chewed up with guilt or shame or trapped and who knows what. But when we begin to understand that God really does love us and we really are his prized possession, it should change our life. It should cause us to go out and preach because God's word says so. I'm telling you, there are people that you come in contact with every day that need to know that, not just hear that, they need to know it. And so as we go to the stores, we interact with people, we can begin to share with them the love of Christ and say, God wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you dearly. You are his prized possession. You wouldn't throw your prized possession in the garage and just park your car over it. If you had a, a Rembrandt or you know some very, very valuable painting, would you use it to trap the oil dripping out of your oil pan in your car? No, you would take care of that. And so that's why we need to take care of one another. We need to love one another. We need to encourage one another, not just those in the church, but those outside the church. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So God's desire is a real and authentic relationship with him. And he desires to spend time with you. Anytime we spend time with a father, it's good. I want to share some kind of statistics, and I've shared this with many of you before, so some of you have heard this, but most church growth in America is from transfer growth, meaning that most churches grow not because they're getting people saved, but because people are just moving from this church over here to this one, and so that's how most churches grow, transfer growth. 95 to 97% of, of church growth in America is simply from individuals moving from one church to, to another. So what that means is that 3 to 5% of church growth in America is from people getting saved. That's terrible. Imagine that you made a, a, a 3 or a 5 on your test. Would you be saying, oh, this is good, man. <laughs> That's failing miserably. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 28? He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. So the church should not be about just itself, but it should be impacting the world around us. It should be impacting the communities around us. It's great that we come together and that we fellowship together and we encourage one another. The Bible tells us to do that, but we need to be making an impact. And the last series, a new, It's a New Season, was all about the doors that the Lord is opening up for us to not only reach the people in this community, but across the globe. And from the onset, the Lord spoke to me that we would be training up other pastors and leaders and people across the globe. So from six and a half years ago, I've been talking about that. And now God is beginning to open those doors. If we believe that, we're going to be positioning ourselves to walk through those doors and receive it. So that's been part of what we've been doing is pouring into people, training and equipping so that they can go and train and equip. But 
95 to 97% of church growth is from transfer growth. 3 to 5% of church growth in America is from people getting saved or expanding the kingdom of God, however you want to look at it. And the, the great thing about Life Fellowship is we're seeing way more than that. We're seeing like 25 or 30% of the people that come here get saved. We're, God is expanding the kingdom through this church, through people coming here. And uh, that, that's awesome. I mean, it really is. When you think that most churches are just growing from people moving around, people are getting saved here. That's the heart of God, that people would get saved. It's his greatest desire that people would come into an intimate relationship with him. And God uses people like you and me to do that. He works through our lives. He places people in our path that we can share the love and the hope of Christ. Last Sunday, three people rededicated their life to the Lord. Last Sunday. And every one of those people were visitors. They were invited here by some of you. The greatest way to get people to church is not by advertising, not, well, I don't know about the web. That's, that's a pretty good way to get people here. But probably, they say the greatest way to get people to church is a personal invitation. That's the point I really want to make, is that we need to be inviting people. And, you know, I gave that example about maybe uh, the Lord could, could prompt you to invite three people every week. So, you know, I'm just saying, maybe that's the Lord speaking to you today, okay? Um, but if we, would in, if we would be serious about reaching out to the world around us, and, you know, it's amazing that not every visitor that comes through those doors gets saved, but a lot of people are getting saved here, and it's impacting the kingdom of God. These three people were visiting here for the, the first time, and they, they came because of your personal invitation. So why not be asking three people every Sunday? I mean, why not? Uh, in addition to that, last Tuesday, um, I spoke with a person that had come to church here uh, probably about six months ago, and they hadn't been back. But uh, anyway, I had the opportunity to speak with them and while I was talking to them on the phone, the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, ask them if they want to rededicate their life to the Lord. And so I said, well, would you like to rededicate your life to the Lord today? And they said, yes. So that was four people. That was a person that I was just having a conversation with, but God opened up the door and, and the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, ask them if they want to rededicate their life to the Lord. It's very, very simple. See, I mean, I can't take credit for that. God set that up. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and just simply choosing to listen and hear the voice of God and then obey. And so, you know, should I get a reward for that? Well, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think it's all about the Lord. He worked it all out. The Lord is setting us up for his blessings in more ways than we can probably imagine. And last week's sermon was, it's relational. It is relational. If you've missed any of these sermons in this, in this series, go back and, and watch those online. But last week's sermon was focused on our relationship with Christ. And every day, I pray and I seek God. I pray for this church. I pray for the people in this church. I pray for my marriage. 
I pray that God will continue to guide us and lead us. Are you spending time alone with God, praying and asking for those kinds of things? Are you praying for the people in this community? Are you inviting people to Life Fellowship? Will you join me in beginning to invite people if you're not? I want every person in our communities to come to the Lord. I want them to have that relationship. They need him, <laughs> just like you do and I do. We all need him. And so we have the, the opportunity to, to share the love of Christ with the people that God places on our path. Okay, so my first point this morning is people get saved. That's one of the benefits of getting alone with God because we, we begin to pray for people. And I had a praying grandmother, and I think that's part of the reason, part of she was a big influence on my life. And so as we're praying for people, God begins to work in their life and, and uh, touch their heart. The second point is the relationship with us is God's greatest desire. People get saved when we pray for them, even if we don't know them. There are times when I'll be somewhere and I'll just begin, I'll see somebody, I'll just begin to pray for them. Maybe they go to some other church next, that following Sunday and they get saved. I don't know. But listen, we, we can do that and we should be doing that. There are a lot of people that are in our communities that are bound up, especially in these communities around the Bay Area here. There are a lot of things that compete with the, the priority of coming to church. A lot of these people around here have yachts and you have the beach and you have all these different distractions going on. And it seems like, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine and he said, you know, it just seems to be harder and harder to get people to commit to coming to church and being involved. And uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but I know that um, if they come to Life Fellowship, they're gonna experience the people that are, are genuine and loving God and loving them. They're gonna hear the word of God. They're gonna experience the presence of God. And so we need to continue to invite people. And uh, in fact, let's just pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for the people in these communities in Kima, League City, Seabrook, Baycliff, all these surrounding areas. Father, we pray that you would touch their hearts, that you would draw them to life fellowship that they may encounter you and that their lives may be healed, that they may be saved, that their marriages may be healed, that their families may be healed. And God, that you would do amazing things through their lives. But Father, we pray that you would continue to open up the opportunities for us, not only globally to go and train up, but also locally and regionally here, Father. So we stand together and we pray that you would continue to work in the hearts and the lives of the people in these communities, drawing them to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for praying with me. The Lord's desire is that everyone come into a relationship with him. So my first point is uh, the benefits of getting alone with God or people get saved. My second point is a relationship with us is God's greatest desire. My third point is we live a fulfilled life and receive benefits. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. And Jesus is teaching about really being committed to following him and being a disciple of Christ. And uh, so I'm not gonna read that whole chapter there. You can go back and read that again. But anyway, he's having this discussion. And in verse 
28, Peter says to him, we've left our homes to follow you. We've left everything to follow you is what he's saying. We've given up our old lifestyles to spend time with you. And I would ask you today, is Jesus your priority? Is he a priority in your life? Is he the priority? I, listen, I know you, you have to work and you have to mow the yard and you have to do laundry and you have to wash dishes and cook meals and all that kind of stuff. But is he a priority in your life? Is, is everything else crowding him out? It can happen. It does happen. I talk to people all the time. Oh, yeah, you know, I need to go back to church, but I had two birthday parties to go to last weekend, and I had this. You're always going to have something going on. So we have to make a determination that God is a priority in our life, spending time with him, coming to church and, and getting fed and, and feeding others and getting the word of God and building those relationships and having corporate worship. Those things are important and spending quality time with him, with our family, and, and spending some time alone with him. And, and as we've been talking about, I'm not saying you have to spend two hours in prayer every day. Most, I don't know very many people that, that do that, that can do that. But we can be praying throughout the day. And when we run into a challenge, instead of getting all frustrated and, and getting to our wit's end and then crying out to God, why not ask him for help right up front? God, I've got this challenge. Can you help me? I can't tell you the number of times when I was working uh, in research and development, I'd run into a problem and I'd begin to pray. I'd say, God, I need some help. I need some help to find the plug in this line or the leak in this line or I need some help with this situation. And God would work it all out. One of the things that would happen is something would happen in me. All that anxiousness and getting frustrated and all that stuff would dissipate. And I'd be able to just focus on the task at hand and his peace would wash over me. And many times I would find the solution to the problem just like that. It's like he would say, look, look there, look over here. There's your problem right there. So Peter says, we've left our homes to follow you. He says in verse 29, Luke 18, 29. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Our relationship with Jesus blesses us here and now. Not to mention that we have eternal life with him. And we sing about Jesus is coming for his bride. And that is really, really exciting. I can't wait for that day. But let's not miss the opportunities that we have right now. Because we don't want to leave anybody behind. What is it the Marines say? No man left behind or something like that? Is that what they say? Uh, so we don't want to leave anybody behind. And you may say, well, you're all about numbers. Yeah, we are. We're all about getting as many people saved as we can get saved. We're all about seeing as many marriages get healed as, as, as we can lives being changed, children being brought up in the things of God. Listen, we have a unique opportunity uh, right here in our communities. We have unique opportunities across the globe. Who knows how long those doors will be open? Are we maximizing our impact? Are we being filled with the things of God, encouraged and strengthened? Can we go and teach somebody the word of God? 
John chapter 1 is a great place to, to begin to speak with unbelievers about who Jesus is. He's God. And, uh, I mean, that's a whole sermon right there. And you don't have to, you have to know your audience. Listen, if somebody's a new believer, you don't want to dump a bunch of stuff on them that they can't handle and be quoting chapters of Scripture that they don't know anything about. Just take people and just walk beside them. Just link arms with them and just show them that you love them. I mean, that's a huge place to start right there. And then invite them to church. You know that they're going to be loved on when they come here. You know that there's not going to be anything weird and kooky going on. But people are going to love on them. They're going to experience the word of God. They're, they're going to experience the presence of God here. We need to be looking for those opportunities. I proclaim the gospel of Christ because I've seen what he's done in my life. I've seen what he's done in the lives of the people around us. Jesus is setting us up for success. God is doing something in your life. God is doing something in our lives. And there's a whole world of opportunity out there with people that need to know him. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Maybe the Lord is speaking to your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one time, but you've walked away. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with him. But God is speaking to your heart and he's saying, come to me. Come to me. Listen, there is no shame in that. The terrible thing would be to walk out of this building the same when God is saying, I want to touch your life. I want to change you. Anybody here today, if you would slip up your hand, I want to pray with you. Anybody here this morning? Oh, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? God loves you. I'd like for you to just pray this prayer with me. Just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I, I come to you this morning. I give my life to you. I receive forgiveness for all my sins. I ask you to wash over me with your love and that you would backfill those voids in my life with your love. And I receive your forgiveness today. And I thank you for this new start that I made new. Like we talked about earlier, we're made new. Say, I'm made new, and this is a new day for me. And I thank you, and I receive your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And I ask that you would help me to walk this thing out. And if I have unforgiveness in my heart, that you would help me to forgive those people. And I thank you for this new day and this new start. I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord, I pray that you fill her with the power and the fire of your Holy Spirit, God. Oh, that you would just fill her to overflowing with your love and your presence. And that you would begin to speak to her in ways that she has never experienced before. That she would hear your small, still voice speaking to her heart. And that she would understand your great love for her and the people around her. And Lord, that you would do amazing things through her life. That you would encourage her and strengthen her. And Father, we look forward to seeing what you do through her life.
I sense a woman here that's really hungry for you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would fill her to overflowing with your love and your presence and your Holy Spirit. And we ask all these things with great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a minute, a couple of minutes, and the, the worship team's going to lead us in worship. And I want us to take some time this morning and say, God, what do you want to say to me? What else do you have for me this morning? Let's not rush out of here. Let's just take a couple of minutes and say, God, what are you speaking to my heart this morning?
give you praise and glory and thanks. Thanks for touching our lives. Hosanna, that phrase means Jesus save us. Save us now. And Father, we, we pray for those that you will lead across our path this week. Father, that you will speak to us and give us insight and how we can share the hope and the love of Christ with those that you place in our path. And Father, we pray that you will continue to show us the benefits of serving you, Lord God, that you will continue to show us so that we can show others, so that we can walk in the fullness of life, so that others will understand your benefits and include salvation, eternal life, but also peace, provision, encouragement, strength, that our, our needs will be met. And so, Father, we thank you. We pray that you would continue to work powerfully through our lives to reach out to a lost and dying world. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you to, to go out this week, make a difference in the world around you. Go out and live it. God has given you great influence. So go use that influence for him. I love you. Thank you for being here this morning. See you Wednesday at Bible study. You're dismissed.